You're listening to the Stag Sports Network Podcast, only on FairfieldStags.com. Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of the Stags Sports Rap Podcast here in the Stag Sports Network Podcast channel. JJ Duke here with Drew Kingsley. It is now the month of November. It does not feel like November because Drew and I are recording on Monday the 7th where it is approximately 77 degrees outside and the office feels like 110. But you know what? That's how it is. I walked out ready to talk about opening day at Alumni Diamond, maybe uh, conference games at Rafferty Stadium, thinking it was mid-April, but here we are. Here we are in November. It's basketball season. Well, almost basketball season, actually, on the day that we're recording. It's opening day of the basketball season. We'll talk a little bit about that later on. However, this show is going to be focusing really on the fall sports almost conclusion for the entirety, conclusion for a number of teams uh, throughout the course of the last couple of weeks. We will get into that, plus check in around teams, the uh, fall-spring combo teams as they kind of wind down their fall season. And And yes, we will have a quick chat about our basketball teams as they opened up their season, plus as well talk about uh, the podcast that we have coming out that will be spoke, uh, focused specifically on the men's and women's hoops teams. But first, we talk about another regular season championship that's coming here to Fairfield, Connecticut, as volleyball drew for the 21st time, 21 times. <laughs> volleyball are the MAC regular season champions. Uh, they currently stand at 15-1 and in the MAC with one weekend of play left to go. That would be against Ryder and St. Peter's at home. I mean, Drew, it's we often run out of superlatives to talk about Fairfield Volleyball because it's just the standard that they set for themselves and they regularly excel and succeed in those standards. But you've had a front row seat to watching a lot of these matches. I guess the question for you is what stands out from this group that may be a bit different from the teams in the years past? I think this group is a lot of, is about depth. It's, mm. a, it's just, it's, you know, they're not beyond running a 6-2, which they've done very well. Also, just the hitters that filter in and out, players in the back row that filter in and out. You know, a lot of people say depth when they mean our backups are good backups. When Todd Kress says depth about his team, he is talking about players who could start, players who could be all-conference, who are sharing time for the good of the team. And that's mm. that's the key. For the good of the team, that's what... This group has always been about back as far as I can remember, and they're doing it again this year. I mean, it's funny because we were back in September when we had, you know, coming out of the Fairfield Invitational. We knew that that was going to be an absolute grind of a weekend. It was a week. It was five matches from Wednesday through Sunday. We were facing a handful of NCAA tournament teams from a season or previous seasons ago. It was a tough week. But we were wondering, were there signs? Were there glimpses? Yes, there were. Would they turn into, you know, winners in their league? Well, yes, they have. Because, you know, outside of a couple of speed bumps in there, a five-set loss to Marist, having to grind out a five-setter against Siena, it's really been status quo outside of that. And I think, as you said, it's a testament to how strong 14 15 players I mean really you can actually go pretty much every player that is featured at some point in the season they've found a way to make not only just one impact that's cliche they found a way to excel over numbers of matches I mean that makes this team 
yeah, as you said, scary, but also at the same time, if five players have an off day, you don't want five players to have an off day on one day, there's another eight or nine of them that could still do the job and keep the standards at where Todd Kress wants them. Yeah, and this this the Mac this year, you and I have talked about it. It's as good a league yeah. as we've seen in five, six, seven years. That and this tournament this tournament's gonna be a banger from yeah. match one all the way to the championship. And obviously nobody's punching Fairfield's ticket yet, but just to be fifteen and one in this league is a testament to how consistent and how how much they've excelled and that's the funny part is they need to keep that up because yeah. there are a lot of teams that can knock them off if there's a if they backslide at the wrong time. So that's what we're going to see. Obviously, this coming weekend with quote nothing to play for, there's a lot to play for. Oh, if you really want to be for. rolling and playing your best volleyball going down to Florida. I mean, we kind of thought that a little bit last year, semifinal against Canisius, and what the Golden Griffins were a few points away from ending Fairfield season in the semifinals. So there is nothing for granted. There is nothing that is just going to be handed to a team on a silver platter. Fairfield obviously has to go out and control their controllables. Yes, again, coach speak, but it remains to the point that they have still a job to do and want to continue doing it. So after Fairfield's straight set victories on the road to Iona and Manhattan, we had a chance to sit down with a junior middle Ella Gardner and sophomore setter Blakely Montgomery about the season, about the last few weeks. Also some takeaways from that run in the postseason last year that maybe might be the drive that gets them going for this season. So here's my chat with Ella and Blake. 21 times this program has won a regular season championship uh Blakely that that has to be something that's just out of this world right yeah like it's insane thinking about how much success the program has had and like we do play a part in it but it's such a small part and the success that's gone on forever is it almost kind of like overwhelming to think about that like there's so many decades of tradition when it comes to Fairfield Volleyball and when you look back at all those sorts of things and then as you said this team you know what maybe might be the thing that this team used to pull from the past but to also kind of make it your own group for this year um yeah I think we definitely consider like all the success we've had in the past is like such a high standard that's been set and we know that that's an expectation that we want to live up to and so we know that every day we come in and we have to work because those are the goals that we've made at the beginning of the year, and we know that we can accomplish it. Uh, most definitely. Ella, last couple of weeks, I know that the group has been on the road, yep, back again for the last few games, but you had those tough home games against Canisius and Siena. We're able to kind of drive through that, and then three straight on the road. Was it just very much we need to make this as much business-like as possible, just get in get out with the result? Yeah, I think Todd said it in one of his um, post-game interviews, but we are taking every game like a learning opportunity. We're kind of needing out all those little kinks that we have and just preparing for the MAC tournament. Um, and I think it's been really good um, seeing not just our athletic ability improving over these last games, but just our mentality and sure. resetting and just being like mentally and emotionally just like stable throughout the entire game, which is really showed in our Iona game and then against Manhattan as well. Yeah, I mean, so how much does that come from those previous experiences, maybe having some highs and lows? I mean, we could talk about the the Marist home match where there were just a bevy of emotions, whether it was negative or positive or coming from behind. Then you had the battles against the Western New York teams. The Siena game, obviously, it's a very good team over there. But um, where do you think the team has really kind of 
gotten the most out of to get you guys to where you are on that mental side of things? I think just remaining calm in moments of like pressure. Um, a lot of the teams that we've played have pushed us. Um, and we, we at the, think at the beginning of the season, we would take it and we'd be like, oh, they're, they're really pushing us this time. Like, let's try and figure out what to do or like freak out a little bit. But recently, I think the most that we've improved at is taking a second and being like, we're just as good as these teams, if not better, and we can just come and continue to do what we've been doing. It'll eventually, we'll get our points um, and remaining stable and calm. And I think the men mental side of things is really what's improved over um, the last couple of weeks and throughout the whole season in our um, playing Building into what's going to be coming, especially Blakely for you, the offense, you've been rolling nicely with Abby throughout the entire season, running the 6-2. Where have you guys helped each other along the ways? Obviously, this is your first season as being you know, the lead primary setter. She's coming in new to the program. What's that relationship been like? Um, it's awesome. I love Abby to death. And I think it's so fun how like we're both kind of new to this, but we also both can help each other so much. Like when I'm on the bench, I see things that she doesn't see and vice versa. So we like tell each other what hitters are open or what we think is going to work. And if there's like something that didn't connect, like we see stuff off the court that we don't see on the court. And so it's just another layer of feedback, like not from the hitters, like from someone who's like doing exactly what you're doing, but is looking at it from the outside. So it's really helpful. And how much fun is it just to set to all these women on your team? Because they're just making your guys' job really easy right now. I'm looking at the stats, it, something along the lines of the team's hitting 270 in league play. Ella, you're hitting over 300 this season. I mean, it, it, it's got to feel good, right? Knowing the, when the offense is clicking, it's just, you know, what what else? Oh yeah, <laughs> where can it's, we get challenged? Right, it's an absolute blast. They're all so awesome, and I have so much faith in all of them to put the ball away. That there's really like no bad options, and you know sometimes other different players have like better games, but there's always someone there who's you know gonna put the ball away, and that's awesome to like be able to trust all of my teammates to do that. Now this last weekend, Ella coming in, Ryder, St. Peter's, these could be possibly some teams that you might be playing in a quarterfinal round in some capacity. So how much is it to not only stay within the levels and the standards that you guys want to play, but at the same time, you know, saying, hey, you know, when you're playing Fairfield Volleyball, you have to be prepared for what exactly is going to come, especially when it comes to the tournament. Yeah, I think it's just giving these last two games our all, especially just to like go out there and just prove that we are the like MEC champion, the regular season MEC champs, um, and just solidifying our place. And then also just um, knowing that we could play these teams in the quarterfinals, really getting to know how they play um, and kind of using it as a scout yep. to um, when we go and play them possibly in the uh, MEC tournament that um, we just know exactly what we need to do to get it done quick, hopefully a sweep. Yep, absolutely. And I know another job that you want to get done quickly is that tournament because both of you guys were on the team last year that went through those three matches in three days. You both played in the NCAA tournament game. Narrowest margins. I mean, I was back at home just <laughs> wondering, like, all right, is this going to happen? Is this really happening? Well, actually, I've never even asked, like – many of the players what was that experience like playing UCLA and basically showing that we're not just some we as in Fairfield not just some mid-major team we are a very good volleyball team and can compete and not only hang with but could be better than some of the better teams in this nation yeah it was so much fun I think it was just 
like seeing how we like came out in that first set and like we were like up eight points or something like that like to their zero like I was just like wow like this is what we've been working working for this entire season and it's really amazing to like kind of show like this team has done like so much and we are able to compete with these like like top level teams that are known across the country and we're a little like Fairfield from Connecticut yeah. and nobody expected us to do that. And it was just so much fun and like exhilarating to explain like that way. Yeah. And I think we had so much confidence in ourselves and we knew we could compete, but it was really cool to be able to like put that product on the court and show everybody else that, you know, we can compete and we are deserving of the, of being here. So that was really good. And was like kind of like affirming that all of our work, like, you can see it, I and, guess. And I guess this is kind of the drive that's getting wanting you guys to not only get back there and maybe even take the next step. I know, obviously, there's a job that still needs to be done to get there, but right. is that something that you guys are starting to maybe perhaps think about a little bit? Oh, yeah. It's yeah. been on my mind since the beginning of the season. That was day one. <laughs> day one, yeah. We said, what's our goal? And it, was, it wasn't to win the MAC. It was to win the first round. And yeah. I think we've made it where winning the MAC isn't a goal. It's an expectation, and mm-hmm. it's a standard we have set for ourselves. So, really, we've – that's what our goal is for the year is to win the first round because especially after last year knowing how close we were and knowing that you know we can do it and especially like with the chemistry we have this year like mm-hmm. I think this is a group that definitely can do it yeah we have so much like across the board that's gonna like I wouldn't say better than last year's team because last year's team was amazing but there's a fully different team that has a huge different energy we have hitters on every side of the I mean you're a setter you know like you just said it you can you can trust anybody to put the ball down um and I think that's just going to be really important going into the NCAA tournament that people scout us they're like oh who are we going to try and block who are we going to try and defend because there's so many people that could put the ball down well it's going to be a whole lot of fun we can't wait to see what the next few weeks are going to be like So appreciation to both of them for coming by. As we said, Fairfield will wrap up the regular season at the RecPlex on Saturday the 12th against Ryder, Sunday the 13th against St. Peter's. Both of those times are at 1 p.m. Then the attention will focus down to Disney for the MAC tournament, which will run Wednesday, November the 16th through the championship on Saturday, November the 19th. Stay tuned to FairfieldStags.com for start times and all the notes that you need to head into that championship tournament. Three Fairfield teams in the fall season have just completed their championship tournament. First off being Fairfield Field Hockey, who reached the final of the NEC Conference Tournament uh, after a three, or excuse me, a 2-1 victory over Wagner. That was a seed upset. Wagner was the co-regular season champions. Fairfield knocked them off also on their home field as well in the semis by two goals to one with Juliana Kratz and all-conference second-team honoree Francis Mirabli scoring and then basically withstood a barrage of offense for the final quarter from Wagner. Julia Crucis Pastorino scored to make it 2-1, but Peyton Ron came up with a number of great saves. Emily Ness with a couple of defensive saves as well to keep Fairfield out in front. The Stags were able to be victorious in that match, moved on to the championship game against Ryder, who were the number one seed and co-regular season champion with Wagner. Fairfield jumped out in front with Juliana Kratz scoring off of a rebound from a corner. Ryder tied it up a minute after that, and then basically was a game of the 
finest and slimmest of margins went to overtime. You're thinking perhaps shades of 2019 where Fairfield knocked off Ryder in overtime in the championship of the league that season. It just was the role reversed this time around where Ryder would win in overtime just three minutes in. Drew, I mean, there's no real words, unfortunately, that you can kind of say to reverse the feeling of losing golden goal in overtime in a tournament final it's an emotion that you can't reverse but you and I always like to look at the positives of how this is the big positive for this field hockey team is collectively they came together so strongly over the last month of play and you could see the collective determination and grit to make sure that there was going to be something to be set out of this weekend because they basically had a winner in a couple of weeks ago against LIU and went down 2 nothing early but they found a way back they persevered they got through a Wagner team that literally threw everything at them including not only on the field offensively but the 500 or so people off the field that were talking <laughs> or you know it was a classic classic atmosphere a college sports atmosphere that the banter was going on but they persevered and yeah on another day um the shot that came off of a penalty corner I think from Juliana Kratz just tipped around the post by rider goalie Caitlin Tomas in the final two minutes. If that goes in, we'd be having a completely different discussion. But it is the way that it is. But I think still there's a lot to take on the positive side of things. Yeah, you're talking about a championship that was tied for all but 72 seconds. That in between Fairfield's first goal and Ryder's first goal. So... You could find a hundred things that you could say could have gone different. A bounce here, a bounce. Obviously, the one you're pointing out is the most, you know, the one that stands out the most. But a whistle here, a whistle there, a decision here, a decision there, and that's, you know, that's college sports. That's yep. the championship games you're supposed to get the two top teams in the league going head to head. And when you do, if your league is good and the NEC has been improving and it was a very good field this year. That's what we got, and Fairfield just happened to be on the short side of it this time. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at the – we talk about the standards with volleyball. It's the standards with Fairfield field hockey. They've gotten into a tournament now for every year for a decade that there's been one that's – a tournament that's been contested. We take away the spring 21 season because that was just a one-off championship game. There was no four-team tournament. Outside of that, Fairfield have qualified every year for a tournament, and they've gotten to a final every year since 2015. So that's a streak in and of itself that you have to find your way to put yourself in the position. And you know, under the guidance of Jackie Kane, this group continually finds their way to be playing in the first Sunday of November, which is conference championship day. So you know, it's a testament to what this group did this year to get themselves to that position. And yeah, end of the day, as I said earlier, and you said as well. One call, one bounce, one whistle the other way, things could be different. And just on the day, it was Ryder and fair credit to them. They're walking off the field and they're heading out to Chicago to take on Miami of Ohio in the opening round, a team that Fairfield just narrowly missed out on winning. And, you know, for the sake of the NEC, you want the team that wins your league to represent well. So, you know, all the best to Ryder in that game. Yeah, congratulations to them. It's, uh, it, it's tough to say that when you're sitting where we are today, but you know we we do what we do because we love college sports, and as much as we'd love for it to be Fairfield, congratulations to Ryder for pulling out the win for the great season they've put together, and best of luck to them this week. Yeah. Uh, another team that saw well had some sort of trophies coming their way because we haven't actually discussed this you and I during uh, because since the previous episode dropped uh, women's soccer did uh, secure a share of the mac regular season title 
First time doing that since 2012. They finish off the regular season with a 14-win campaign, which is up there amongst the top five for most wins in a season in Fairfield women's soccer history. Also tied the program record for most league wins in a regular season with nine. That's only been done on two other times, and that was really kind of the uh, the peak of Fairfield women's soccer in 97-98, where they had 18 wins in both of those campaigns. Fairfield did host a semifinal as they got a bye past the quarters. Ultimately, it was a day where Niagara, after losing to Fairfield just a couple of weeks ago in the regular season by three goals to two, it was the Purple Eagles who took their chances on the day. They put three past Fairfield. The Stags were able to make it 2-1 on the 60-minute mark as L. Scott put away a goal, but it was quickly negated after Niagara potted their third of the evening in what was kind of a wild affair of, we are talking about the unseasonable weather, the fog that rolled in like Candlestick Park in San Francisco. It almost, I mean, I spoke about this with a couple of colleagues um, afterwards. It felt like when you had Katie Wright taking goal kicks at the scoreboard end because of the way that the fog was reflecting off the scoreboard and the red lights that are, you know, with the numbers and the schools and whatnot, it was basically like a Champions League night in Eastern Europe. No pyro, no party through the red flares coming out. It was kind of insane to watch, um, aesthetically speaking. I know it's obviously, again, not a result that Fairfield women's soccer wanted to have their season come to an end like that. But similarly, the growth that this team has just had in one season and the scary part that almost the entire team can come back next year, you have to look out for this Fairfield women's team. They're not just making up the numbers. They're a team that's going to be poised to make a run at it every year. Yeah, I think this team learned a lot and grew a lot this year. Um, the, The share of the regular season title, first time in a decade for that. And you and I talked, I don't remember if we talked on here about it, it might have been too early to use these words, but Fairfield Niagara out on Lessing Field the first time around felt like a playoff game. It did. Yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, that was a 2-3 matchup that was destined to be a 2-3 matchup. Quinnipiac maybe a half a step ahead of the others for the one seed, if that. Yeah. But it, it was, you know, with all respect to everyone else, it was a three-team race, and it played out like a three-team race. And Fairfield just uh, was on the short side against Niagara on that day. Yeah, no, I mean, again, credit to Peter Veltri, who he had magic happen at Lessing Field in 2006. That was Niagara's only tournament title. It happened here. Um, So maybe perhaps, you know, good memories dial back. I don't know. It's the way it's sport. Again, as we said, in a nutshell, just Niagara had their chances, finished them off. Um, we should also give congratulations to Maddie Mills, who is the league defensive player of the year. Maddie Theriault, who is the league rookie of the year. Eight all-conference honorees. Fairfield finished with an RPI of 62. We're talking out of close to what 340 Division One soccer programs. So that's a that that's a huge accolade even of itself. The only Connecticut team that Fairfield trailed was Quinnipiac. You know, we bettered Yale, bettered UConn. You know, Fairfield doing the job that they needed to, and hopefully, you know, this is just a small speed bump in what's going to be a very fun next few seasons for Dave Barrett's team. Um, also, on the men's side of things, Fairfield men's soccer did make the conference tournament as well, uh, getting the sixth spot in the conference tournament. Did fall to Manhattan on Sunday by two goals to none, seeing their season come to an end, though congratulations to Raz Amir, who was a first-team all-conference honoree with five goals, six assists. And the last team of the, call, of the core fall sports teams that finished off 
Their slate was Cross Country, who competed in the MAC Championships on October 29th in Loudonville, New York. Men and women both finished eight out of 11 teams. Congratulations to seniors Courtney Kitchen and Danielle Grosso, who finished in the top 35 out of 123 runners. And sophomore Jacob Bornstein also paced the men's team. So, Drew, that kind of wraps up, well, not completely the fall season. We have volleyball still left to go, but kind of quickly – your biggest takeaway of what this was you know in total obviously in this episode it's we're not talking about a lot of championships as we hoped but it's still a positive last few months all in all oh absolutely i mean winning a championship is hard to put mm-hmm. it as bluntly as i can and really the most you can do is to put yourself in the best position to win a championship and to make sure you're in that position every year and we're talking about teams, you know, volleyball, field hockey, men's and women's soccer, that put themselves in a position to win a championship almost every year, if not every year. And that's uh, that's the work. Everything else is what we talked about. Everything else is executing a couple extra plays here and there or a couple bounces here and there. But you can't always control that. What you can control is the hard work that these teams put in every day just to make sure that they were in the mix. And then you go out, you take your chances. Sometimes you end up with a trophy and sometimes you don't. Well, Certainly what I'm looking forward to is uh, getting together and talking about these uh, fall teams next fall because, like I said, there's a lot that's coming back for all these teams, and that's just it, – it's a scary platform to think that, boy, if how good they are right now, the little motivation that you need perhaps to get you over the line next season, well, there it is. Um, checking in across t- other teams around the campus, uh, swimming and diving since we last talked. They've been in the pool a lot recently as both teams finished a weekend back-to-back, uh, having meets on the road to Providence, then home to Holy Cross before this past weekend. So that would be the first weekend in November, a dual meet against Marist. And that ends the dual portion of the fall schedule. Fairfield swimming and diving will have some big team events and also just big events that they're going to be competing in one of those being up at BU for their three-day competition which is uh, kind of what mirrors what a championship meet would look like to finish off the fall so that'll be a nice uh, platform to see where the swimming and diving teams are though we can tell you that the men and the women both knocked off Providence and Holy Cross before getting swept on the road at Marist congratulations to uh, Fairfield Swimming and Diving for sweeping the MAC Weekly Awards in the last weekend of October, where Joseph Stewart was the Men's Swimmer of the Week, Sam Tenol was the Diver of the Week, Irini Pappas the Women's Swimmer of the Week, and Alexis Gollin the Women's Diver of the Week. Uh, rowing updates saw that the New York uh, Rowing Association event went to the men's team as they swept the competitions in the first and second varsity boat as well as the fours. The women competed in that event, and both the men and the women's side will finish out the fall season at the Fall Metropolitan event on November the 12th. And also wrapping up, uh, Killian McGinley for his work over the course of the month of October. He was named the MAC Men's Golfer of the Month. I don't know why we're wrapping up golf. Those guys should be out there swinging it's a beautiful day well i I would not be surprised that they're out there today i know that they have their nice little uh inter uh like not inter club but they have their um annual rivalry not an official competition but it's a competition that you want to win against sacred heart every year i think it was it's the len roberto cup yes sir yeah there you go love to see it uh but congratulations to killian for winning the golfer of the month and now as we said going to talk basketball now before we do that 
We should mention the fact that after our last fall semester episode, which will come out after Thanksgiving, for everything for basketball, you want to make sure they head over to our basketball exclusive podcast, which is both the Open Court Podcast with Jay Young, which will cover everything on the men's side, and a brand new podcast that we just launched, the Fast Break with Coach Carly podcast, which that first episode is live now. For basketball exclusive, that's going to be carrying you throughout the the winter course of the season. Drew and I, after our last episode, after Thanksgiving, will reconvene probably we'll say first week of February, somewhere around there, and we'll get you back going with the spring sports as well as the combo fall-spring teams. But, yeah, I mean, we are now, as we're talking, we're on the day of the opening uh, for both the men's and the women's team. I mean, the men are going to be basically racking up the frequent flyer miles. They're going to be going here, there, and everywhere. Wake Forest on the road, New Hampshire on the road, Xavier on the road, Wagner on the road before going to Savannah for three games down there against Towson, Mercer, and Evansville. And then league play will begin. Fairfield don't have their first game at home until St. Peter's in early December. But, Drew, uh, you're keeping an eye on things over there. Fairfield just played Rutgers well in an open exhibition. Uh, There's a lot of positivity that's coming out of that group right now. Absolutely. I think – there's there's just so much excitement with both teams with the you know the new arena of course and then uh, speaking about the men just with you know everybody's looking forward to the growth of guys like Supreme Cook Chris Mido as they're a year older uh, the transfers coming in Caleb Fields and Bryson Goodine some talented freshmen as well um, people are excited they played Rutgers very well um, there was maybe a three four minute stretch a couple turnovers in the second half that sort of broke the game open but really it was a it was a six, seven point game, really. Yeah. And when you can be that close, there's always we're going to go back to those couple bounces. Yeah. You can end up tied. You can end up winning that game. So a lot of a uh, lot of positivity going down to Wake Forest for a tough test. Yeah, I mean, when I was seeing uh, you know the various reporters that were covering the event, putting it on social media, saying this is a Rutgers team that is a team that could be pushing for a nice tournament run this year versus a, a mid-major team in Fairfield. And we say those words always, but you, you take it for whatever it is worth it. A team that not only wants to punch above its weight, but a team that can hang and get after some of the very good teams. And I credit Jay for putting together a schedule non-conference-wise that you're going to see a lot of different styles Um a lot of teams that have experienced players coming back. I mean, I look at the the Wagner game is probably the one that actually stands out for me is very where that that's a litmus test. I mean, it's game four of the season, but that's one of those that if Fairfield can put on a performance on the road in a very traditionally hostile environment down there, I think that's where if you can circle that day is where Fairfield can be. For me, I know you have the Xavier game right before. Everyone's going to be up for that. But the Wagner game, I think that's the real early sign of where Fairfield will be. Yeah, that's a that's a top team in the NEC, which yeah. is always sort of seen as a litmus test to the MAC. Uh, and then uh, don't forget, a week later, they play the uh, the the favorite in the CAA in Towson. Towson, yep. So that's a that that's a gauntlet of a schedule. Um, this team's going to be road tested. Obviously, this, they're going to be you know. They're, they're going to have – you have to expect they might have some challenges playing yeah. teams like Wake and Xavier and some of these strong mid-majors as well. But. Add Mercer to that as well. I completely – Mercer made a run a couple of years ago. Um, you know, they won their conference, and I think they showed out well in the in the dance. So, yeah, I mean, these are you, – you, that that's a litmus test there. I think Yale will probably be in 
December, kind of the, okay, this is really where we are. Um, I know Drexel have kind of fluctuated over the last couple of years. That's the last test before league play begins. So I think those for me are the, the two big dates. Yeah, I don't know if I'm there. I could be wrong in saying that. Yeah, by the time we post this on yeah. uh, Tuesday, we might even 24 hours from now, we might look silly but, just you, talking about that's it. That's the big asterisk here, folks. <laughs> we do not know what has happened in the Wake Forest game. I don't know if we have a ch- Hey, listen, if big things happen, you and I might be coming back here tomorrow, that being <laughs> Tuesday, and talking about it. But that's, again, this is the. Um, this is the All Sports Podcast. Again, you could catch the Open Court Podcast, which Season 4 just premiered, by the way. Season 4. Season 4. Love that. <laughs> season 1 with Co- with uh, Fast Break with Coach Carly just dropped as well and really enjoyed having the chance to chat with her about kind of you know, a new coach coming in, um, brand new staff inheriting a team that obviously has you know a number of key players coming back but a lot of new faces that were on the team from a year ago but people may not really remember them all that much well you're going to remember them one way or another um starting this week obviously brown on the road penn state on the road yale on the road that yale game for me as i said in the podcast is going to be the most fascinating one because it's a good program with another new head coach who just lost their best player due to a torn acl and camilla emsbo could that be something that will kind of maybe give Fairfield an advantage and you're not facing a 6'5 person who can shoot from 25 feet? I don't know. It's one of those types of things. I mean, everyone's got their eyes right now on that Stonehill game to open up the new Leo D. Mahoney Arena that they're working around the clock to make sure it's ready to go. I know that people have been checking in every day. Even uh, the girls that were just chatting with us before said they were able to get in there a couple of weeks ago to see what their future home's going to be looking like. So, Fun times right now. Fun times. Yeah, women's basketball is a fun one because, as you as you alluded to, it's a veteran team and a new team all yeah. at once. You know, some veterans, players like Callie Cavanaugh, Janelle Brown coming back, Andrea Hernan Gomez. Also, some players who, as you said, were on the team but playing behind some all-league players yep. who aren't here anymore and also welcoming in some new players as well It's and a new coaching staff, a new system, and all that. And Because, as you discussed with Coach Carly on the podcast, you can't mimic Joe Frager's system. No, you can't. So if, I'm not saying Coach Carly wanted to, but even if she did, I don't think anybody could mimic what Coach Frager did without 30 years of studying ahead of time. Mm. So it's going to be an exciting team, in a lot of ways a brand new team, and um, looking forward to seeing them play tonight and going forward. No, absolutely. Um, and again, everything, fairfieldstags.com, and I would be remiss if I didn't say tickets are going fast for those first couple of women's games. Make sure to head on over uh, for ticket information is that, and burn up Joe Capucci's phone. He's a busy <laughs> guy over there, but just get on the phone and get your tickets now. Um, that's going to do it for this episode, though before we do go, as we did say that this kind of is our last wrap of the fall season as a you know, major collective. Big shout out as always to our Stag Sports Network crew. It was something like in the 60s in terms of total broadcasts that we had, including on a number of different platforms, ESPN for soccer, Stag Sports Network for volleyball and field hockey. We have play site for tennis as well, and I should also say Stag Sports Network for swimming and diving, plus all the digital content that's been rolling out. No chance to sleep before basketball comes in, so the crew over there are going to be churning left, right, and center. Um, but a big shout-out to everybody that's put this fall season together because even though it's kind of the longest season, it feels like a sprint. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's you know the way the schedules fall with field hockey being Friday, Sunday. Yep. Volleyball being Saturday, Sunday. Soccer's being Wednesday, Saturday. Then you have swimming, you have tennis, and uh, again on all the other on-demand stuff and helping us set up things like this as well. And oh, as we speak, they're down at the arena learning the new scoreboard. <laughs> this is true. So when you say no rest, you're not kidding. Yeah. This is a Monday morning that we're talking about. People, you'd think that you'd get a little recovery time. There is no recovery time. But um, no, big appreciation to everybody that has helped out all season long. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Stag Sports Wrap. For Drew, I'm JJ signing off. We will have our last episode of the fall semester coming after Thanksgiving. So enjoy your Thanksgiving, and we will talk to you after that. So go Stags. Thank you for listening to the Stag Sports Network podcast. For past and future podcasts, visit fairfieldstags.com.